Good morning, I'm Dana Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling, where we explore the lives of people who've been called to various types of ministries in their churches and in their communities. Today, we're here with Father Brad Bates, who is the pastor at St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Cookville, and we'll be talking with him about his life, his calling into ministry, and how God is using him. Introducing you to local church and community leaders, The Calling. Welcome, Father Brad. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm glad to be uh, speaking with you, especially as you're one of the newest Mm -hmm. pastors in town. You're Mm -hmm. the priest at St. Michael's Episcopal, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a lovely church in Cookville. Tell us where your church is located. Uh, 640 North Washington. Uh, I'm still trying to uh, figure my way around, but it's North Washington, corner of North Washington and 7th. Excellent. Yes. So you're going to meet on Sunday mornings at eight mm-hmm. and at ten thirty, right? And then on Wednesdays at noon. Yes. And you want to invite everyone to come join Absolutely. you for those times. Absolutely. Yeah. Whatever your worship style, the eight o'clock service is more of a traditional uh, worship. Uh, there is no music, so for those that may not like, you know, singing, you know, it's perfect service. The ten thirty service is a little bit more contemporary language uh, with organ and, and choir. And then the uh, it's a healing service on Wednesdays at noon where we uh, we celebrate the Eucharist at, at all the services. Uh, but the Wednesday, one at, on Wednesdays at noon is just more of a smaller, more private one where uh, where people receive healing if they need something if they need if they need it. Wonderful, Father Brad and I were talking before the show. You've been here eight weeks, mm-hmm. moved into your house. Yesterday, yesterday, yes. So it's the perfect opportunity for you to meet the people of our area. You were born in California. Is I was, that right? I was. But then grew up in Georgia. Yes. So tell us a little bit about uh, how you grew up. Your little bit about your family. Um, well, I was born in California. I lived out there till I was about seven years old, and moved out uh, after my parents' divorce. I moved to Georgia with my father, and I was raised. Uh, he he raised me um, the best he knew how. And then uh, after uh, after high school, I, I left home and joined the military. You know, oh, wow. I had which plans to go which, to which uh, division of the military? Pardon? Which division of the uh, military? The Navy. I, I, I went to the Navy. Okay. Um, I wanted to. Uh, it, it was. It's a funny story. You know, it was right after the movie Top Gun, so I wanted to do something. Oh. You know, one of the cool jobs that you saw in the movies. And, yeah. Uh, my, my recruiter said, no, you're, you're going to go into uh, military intelligence. And so that, okay. that's, that's what I wound up in was military intelligence. Okay. So what year was that, that you were in the Navy? Uh, between 88 and 92. Okay. Wow. Those were top gun years. Yes. Weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Maverick and goose. Right. And, <laughs> and now it's back again. Yeah. There's a new movie coming out. This I, fall, know I understand. I know. I'll it. be at the theater watching that. I will too. Yeah. So you can't tell us much, I guess, about your work in the Navy other than you were an intelligence. I was analyst. an intelligence analyst. Um, I, uh, I served, uh, most of my work was done on, uh, on airplanes uh, as part of a flight crew uh-huh. um, and um, in country during Operation Desert Storm. Oh, and wow. Really, that's a that's, big job. It is. It was uh, a lot of responsibility. Um, and, uh, you know, you learn things and you discover things that, you know, you never thought you would. Um, but unfortunately, because of the line of work, um, it's not something I'm able to, as much as I would like to, it's not something that I'm able to share. 
It's much like ministry. There mm-hmm. are many things that we hold close to our heart, mm-hmm. um, suffering and pain from parishioners that, That's right. that we don't share. It's a sacred trust. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to think that maybe your time in the Navy was preparatory That's for your right. time in ministry. That's right. Yeah, it's funny how God works that way. Isn't it? (laughs) Isn't it? Yes. So do you have any favorite childhood memories from growing up in Georgia? Um, You know, I I had a bit of a rough childhood. Uh, My my father was a bit of a uh, violent alcoholic. Um, And so um, there were there were good good points. I had to grow up a lot faster than I I had hoped or wanted to, uh, as I expect any child would. Um, but you know, going to the lake with my friends is always the, uh, is always the one memory that oh, I look wow. back on. Yeah. Are you a good swimmer? Oh, I love swimming. Yeah. Uh, maybe not good anymore, but I still like swimming. You enjoy it. Yeah. That's interesting. Do you, uh, did you have a best friend from childhood? I did. Yeah. Do you I still did. keep in touch with this person? No, he, uh, he passed away a long, Aww. uh, a while ago, uh, due to, due to cancer, but, mm. uh, you know, he, he was a, uh, a big supporter of mine. Yeah. It's good to have a good friend. That's right. It It is. Okay. So you grew up in Georgia and then uh, tell us a little bit about how you started your studies. (laughs) Wow. Um, Well, when I came out of the military, um, I I started my own business. Oh, wow. What was that? It was, well, I, I went into the restaurant business and it's a tough business it, it is especially when you don't know how to cook uh, but i always i always make a point of surrounding myself with with people that are much more talented and smarter than myself so uh, i was very successful at it um but there was one day i remember it was around christmas time because my wife told me she was going to go shopping and my, and i told her i was going to be over here at this bar and i was sitting at the bar and uh I, I remember it, you know, it's, it's, it's still to this day difficult to explain, but I remember it as if somebody was actually sitting next to me. And I recall God asking me, you know, would I give up everything that I had built, you know, my, my business, um, if he were to issue me a call Wow. and, um, I said, no, yeah, no pressure there. right? Yeah. I said, I, I was, you know, um, you know, God and I have always had this, you know, kind of a, a back and forth relationship. I wasn't brought up in the church. Um, I was uh, saved and baptized in the Baptist church when I was 22, when I came out of the Navy. Um, and so I had thought God hadn't really been paying that close attention to my life. And, you know, he had got the wrong number, if, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my answer was, quite frankly, no. Um, and but we don't get to tell God no. Mm-hmm. And so. I, I began running from that calling for several years, uh, finally realizing that, you know, it was, you know, fruitless and went to school. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling. We're going to take a short break. And after that, more with Father Brad Bates. We're back with The Calling. I'm Dana Hornby, and we're here this morning with Father Brad Bates from St. Michael's Episcopal. That's in Cookville on Washington with services at 8 o'clock, 1030 on Sundays and a Wednesday healing service, including Holy Eucharist at noon. And uh, Father Brad, you were talking a little bit about your calling, about 
God asking you and and you saying no, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us from there. How did you end up from a Baptist church being uh, experiencing salvation at the age of 22 mm-hmm. to being in Cookville, Tennessee oh, wow. at St. Michael's Episcopal Church? Wow. Um, well, when I decided to quit running from the calling, um, you know, I immersed myself in the church. I immersed myself in studies. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my undergraduate degree and I was working on my master of divinity at Liberty university. Okay. Um, before coming to the Episcopal church, I have about 15 years of experience of pastoring and planting churches in the Baptist tradition. Okay. Uh, so that's where I got my start. That's where, you know, God gave me a call. Um, but I reached a point in my life where I wanted something more. I wanted, I, I knew there had to be a deeper walk with God, uh, than I was getting out of the Baptist church. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure what it was. Um, I, I couldn't, you know, looking back, I couldn't put my finger on what it was, uh, I was hungry for. I just knew that committing our lives to God and service to God, leading his church, that, um, it has to be, it had to be something more than putting a tie on, on Sunday and, and, and going to church and preaching a sermon. There had to be more to that. Um, and so, I resigned my position at the Baptist church, not knowing what was next. Right. You know, um, I just knew that in order to be faithful, I had to take this leap of faith. And so I resigned, took this leap of faith. And a few months later, I found myself uh, in an Episcopal church. Uh, I just, you know, I, I I had all this free time on my hands. So I thought I would check out different, different churches in town. And it was at the Episcopal church that, you know, I found out that the God that we serve is much bigger than we can ever imagine. Um, I, I discovered that what I was hungry for, I discovered in the Episcopal church and that was, uh, the liturgy, um, returning to in the Episcopal church. Um, you know, we, we worship in a way that follows the patterns that, uh, that was laid out for us by the apostles. And so such an ancient form of worship in modern times, I mean, we're, we're not doing, you know, weird ancient stuff, but I mean, there, there's a routine to our service. There's a liturgy to our service. There's, um, you know, the sermon isn't the central point of our services. You know, there is a sermon, you know, and we hear, we read from the old Testament, uh, Psalm, um, the new Testament and the gospel every single week. And then we hear a sermon or I give a sermon and, and then we receive the body and blood of Christ in Holy communion every single week, you know, and it, we, it becomes something that, you know, I know for me that, you know, having it on Sunday come Monday morning, I want it again. Isn't that nice? You know, knowing that we have that, that connection. Um, and what is so, what I've discovered that is, is so great about the Episcopal church, uh, for me is that, it's okay to believe in science and it's okay to have different opinions about God and the Trinity. And it's like, you were to ask me, you know, what, you know, explain the Trinity, you know, it's, it, it's to, to this day, it's something is like, you know, I, I don't know, it's, yeah. you know, 
and one day we we will all understand but right now what is so beautiful about you know the denomination uh i serve in is that all viewpoints are welcome all we want is for you to be at the communion rail on sunday you know if uh you know if you're a baptized christian you know you're you're welcome at the communion rail uh, if you have doubts, if you struggle with faith, if you believe in evolution, you don't believe in, you know, uh, certain, certain things the Bible says, that's okay. Because we're, God give, has given us all these, you know, all of us different whatever, you know, yeah. and so we honor that. And so that's, to me, what makes, you know, my church, you know, even better. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you certainly have a love of the uh, Episcopal Church. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Tell us about your family. How do they fit into your ministry and your calling? Well, my wife, um, Michelle, uh, we, we've been married um, twenty going on 24 years, and uh, she is a partner in ministry. You know, I've always considered my wife a partner in ministry because when I quit running from the call, um, I, I took her out to dinner. Found a babysitter for for our daughter Abby, who will be uh, who is eleven, um, and I took my wife out to dinner, and I leaned over the table. I took her hand and I said, "Honey, I have some big news to share with you." And she looked at me and she says, "You've been called by God, haven't you?" She knew. She knew before I told her, and that gives me chills That's just just cool. saying it because you know she knew before I told her. So for me, that was a confirmation that you know. No, she wasn't called to go to seminary or become ordained, but that doesn't make her any less of no. of a partner in ministry. I mean, the you know, scripture says that we are all part of the holy priesthood. Right. You know, whether we're ordained or not. Right. Um and so I mean there's things that, you know, I can't share with her, you know, that right. you know, somebody comes and confesses or or whatever. I can't share that with her, but uh, what I can, I'm intentional about sharing with her uh, in order to, so that way she feels uh, as much a part of it as, as she can. Sure. And what about Abby? Shout out to Abby. Hi, Shout out Abby. to Abby. She started Avery Trace Middle School Woo-hoo. yesterday. Go Abby. Um, I've been freaking out about it because we've homeschooled her since kindergarten. Okay. And she wanted to go back to school. She'll love Avery Trace. I that's well, she does. Yeah. You know, we we heard some people say middle school is the wrong time to send your kid back yeah. to school. And so, you know, I've been having anxiety attacks for the past few weeks. And but she yesterday was her first full day and she came home talking about friends that she made and how much she loves it. And so you know, praise great. God, she's she's happy. Does Abby ever critique your sermons? Yes. <laughs> Good job, Abby. N- nobody <laughs> else might, but you know, you know, <laughs> Daddy. Maybe next time, you know, she she's uh, she's being raised to be strong and independent, and to be able to speak for herself. And at eleven years old, her mother and I sometimes think we've created a monster. <laughs> Good for you, Abby. Yeah. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling. We're here this morning with Father Brad Bates. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Dana Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling. We're here this morning with Father Brad Bates from St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Cookville. And Father Brad would like to share a motivational moment. You know, the one thing that really struck me um, really spoke to my heart when I was at this in this period of transition between the Baptist Church and the Episcopal Church. 
my family and I were living in South Georgia at the time, um, about 45 minutes north of Jacksonville in a town called Brunswick, uh, Brunswick, Georgia. Uh, it's right, right there where St. Simons and Jekyll Island is. Beautiful part of Georgia. And I was reading in a newspaper, there was an article about what the Bishop of Georgia uh, had said. And I want to share it with, with, with the listeners because it really spoke to me and I hope it does them. Um, God is unchanging, you know, no matter what we're going through in life, you know, God is unchanging. He is a firm foundation in our lives. Um, but that doesn't mean that we quit growing. That doesn't mean that we stop, um, learning how to be followers of Christ every single day. And what the what my bishop said in this article uh, is that the Holy Spirit is up to something new in the world these days. Um, it's important for us to not pray or expect that the Holy Spirit joins us in our ministries, but that we find where the Holy Spirit is at work and join the Spirit uh, there in those ministries. And it's important that we recognize that we look around in our changing world, in our changing societies, and everything that's changing. And as much as we may want to hold on to what is comfortable, uh, what is familiar, what is safe, um, it's important that we recognize that the Holy Spirit is not comfortable. The Holy Spirit is not safe. Um, God is not comfortable or safe. Um, nowhere in Scripture. Um, does it, does any of the writers point to a safe and comfortable God? Um, and so we have to recognize that the Holy Spirit is blowing differently these days. Uh, the, the Spirit is still the same um, as the Spirit has always been and always will be, but the Spirit is up to something new in the world t- these days, and it's up to us to discover what that is. Um, maybe this is a way for us to show the world new ways of following Christ. You know, the Bible teaches us how to follow Christ and the Bible was written to a specific people and for people of all time. But it's important that in our lives, in order to reach people with the gospel of Christ crucified, that we be open to new ways of doing it, to new ways of loving our neighbors, new ways of loving our brothers and sisters. None of this is us being unfaithful, but in fact being obedient to the new things that the Holy Spirit is up to in this world. Amen. (laughs) Thank you, Father Brad. You're listening to The Calling. We'll be back in a moment. Hi, I'm Dana Hornby, and we're back with The Calling. This morning, we're here with Father Brad Bates from St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Cookville. And this is our rapid-fire questions, Uh-oh. Father Brad. Uh-oh. So we will ask you five, I'll ask you five questions, and you get to play, plead the fifth on one of them. What about, can I call a friend? Um, no calling a friend, but you're welcome to pray as much as you like. How long is this show? <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, let's just wing it, shall okay, we? Let's okay, let's go, go for it. All right. If you could turn back time 
and talk to you as an 18-year-old. Oh, my gosh. What would you say? Relax. Ah. Relax. You know. I get that. Yeah. So if you're 18 and listening. Yeah, relax. Relax. It's going to be okay. You know, like I, you know, my... I, I say it to people who know me, they know I say this all the time, but there's nothing that we can do or can't do that's going to prevent the second coming. So relax. There you go. Relax. Okay. If you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would they be and why? Well, Jesus, because, well, there you go. You know, Jesus. Um, Martin Luther King. Um, just to, you know, just to be able to, you know, be in a room with him and to, to talk to him and, and just hear, just to learn from him. To say, tell me about your letter from the Birmingham jail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, tell me how you, uh, you know, you know, despite all your critics and, um, everything stacked against you, you know, how you kept going. I think that would be a wonderful conversation, especially with what's going on sort of today in the United States Mm -hmm. politically Mm -hmm. to be able to say to Martin Luther King, what did you mean when you said silence is betrayal? Mm -hmm. Wow. What a conversation. Right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Great answer. I know. Right. (laughs) This isn't so bad. No, this is fun. Okay. Third question. If you were arrested for a crime. What would your wife and your daughter say that that crime had been? Oh my gosh! Um, you can plead the fifth. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'm going to take the fifth on that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, um, if you could, if you had a superpower, mm-hmm. and you could be invisible or you could fly, which would it be? Oh wow. Um, I don't know. I'd probably go with being invisible. Yeah. What would you do if you were invisible? Uh, sit and read. Maybe write. <gasps> Undisturbed. Undisturbed. Okay. Yeah. You wouldn't peek to see what Abby's doing in a room. Oh, I'll, well, well, no, 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 because I, you know, you know, as as I mean, I try to do that now, but she she tells <laughs> me I'm not allowed to, so I try to respect her wishes. But you know, it, it's important that we remember that that our interruptions, you know when we think our interruptions get in the way of our work, that what's interrupting us or our family or whatever, you know, that's where our attention belongs. But sometimes we, we all need those moments of, you know, being invisible for a little while. Yeah. What would you read if you were invisible in reading? Um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I've re- been reading theology for so long. Uh, you know, when seminary was over, um, I went out and purchased Stephen King's to stand because it was a book I wanted to read for, you know, many years and I finally had an opportunity to read it. So I did. So, um, I, I don't have any one genre of, of literature. I like to, uh, you know, expand my worldview by reading different, different things. Yeah. Okay. Father Brad, last question. Okay. What's the best joke, you know, (laughs) (laughs) um, You know, dead silence isn't good on the radio. You know that, right? I I don't I don't know. Um, I have a wicked sense of humor, but yeah. it's uh, maybe not for this show. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. So nothing like 
a Methodist pastor and an Episcopal priest walk into a bar. None of that. I don't know. That sounds pretty good, though. <laughs> Keep going. We'll work on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Father Brad, it has been an absolute delight to have you on the show this morning. Thank you for joining me and for discussing your ministry with St. Michael's Episcopal Church as you continue to follow your calling. Each week, we'll introduce you to members of the community who have followed their call to serve. I'm Dana Hornby, and this has been The Calling.